Hey everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap up. I thought we'd have a little fun this week and dive into a controversial topic. And that is the status of Star Wars. As somebody who has a YouTube channel and works out of his basement for a living, I believe I am unequivocally qualified to talk about this topic. So let's get to it. Now, what prompted this was the fact that I woke up on Sunday morning, had my morning coffee, and on Twitter, The Last Jedi was trending once again. The debate continues to rage about this film, and I just love the fact that people are still talking about it this many years after its release and all the things that happened after it, especially among Star Wars fandom. And I think the issue with The Last Jedi is kind of Disney's conundrum, which is serving fans versus general audiences. Let's take a look at what happened at the box office with the sequel trilogy. So, of course, the big deal was that uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm for $4 billion or so, about $2 billion in cash and $2 billion in stock. That is basically George Lucas's retirement fund and probably the retirement fund for his uh, great-great-great-grandchildren. And after Disney bought Lucasfilm, they started producing new Star Wars content, of course. And the first film they made was a sequel, sort of, to Return of the Jedi that brought in over $2 billion in box office sales worldwide. And I don't believe that figure covers any of the licensing or any of the Blu-ray and DVD and book releases. It is just the movie itself. It was a blockbuster uh, by every measurement. Now, when this movie first came out, I really liked it. I felt like it really was true to the original trilogy. It felt familiar. Uh, That was one of the criticisms that it got, that it didn't try to do anything different, although I think it had to set the stage to get these characters introduced because that was the big risk, I think, of the sequel trilogy was bringing in new characters and having those new characters be the lead in the sequel versus the characters that we were already familiar with. And I think that was probably one of the big mistakes that Disney made from the get-go here. But what was interesting was that on the night it released, I rented out a theater with a bunch of friends. We had about 180 people come. So everybody in the theater knew each other. So we were able to really chat as a big group as to what we felt about the film after we watched it. And to a person, both fans and non-fans alike, really liked what J.J. Abrams put together here and were excited to see what this new Disney Star Wars would bring. And if you go back and watch some reaction videos on YouTube, especially from fans, I think you will see that a lot of people were happy with what the outcome here was. Of course, there are things to nitpick, but generally uh, the people that I followed were really enjoying it, and I did too. Now, the film that came out after The Force Awakens was not a sequel to The Force Awakens, but rather something that Disney directed to Star Wars fans, which was Rogue One, the first in their Star Wars story movies that they planned to release to flesh out more of the Star Wars universe through major motion picture releases. Now, it brought in over a billion dollars worldwide in ticket sales, again, not accounting for Blu-rays and other things, But I don't think this did nearly as well as Lucasfilm expected, because remember, the last film brought in over $2 billion, and this one fell way short of that. And I did uh, rent out the theater again for this film when it came out the following year. It basically released a year after The Force Awakens. And it was interesting, my focus group, my group of fans that came out along with the general audience that came out for my private showing were really split on it. I think the fans loved it. I certainly loved it. 
but the uh, general audience types were like, what did we just watch? Wasn't this supposed to be a sequel to the other one? There was some confusion about what this was. They didn't have enough Star Wars in their life to really know how this connected properly. They thought it was well done, but they didn't get it. And of course, the tone was darker. It was more of a uh, war film than kind of a adventurous uh, romp through the galaxy or whatever. And I think that reflected across the entire release here of the film and that it brought in about half the ticket sales. And I think Lucasfilm through Disney uh, thought they would do much better with this because of how much hunger there was among Star Wars fans to see more of this universe, but it clearly didn't do as well. And I bet you that this uh, created some issues and controversies and debates within the back office there. Now, the next film in the series, of course, was the controversial Last Jedi, and it actually did better than Rogue One by a factor of about $300 million or so. And I'm sure this was less than what Lucasfilm and Disney were expecting to bring in on a sequel to the wildly successful Force Awakens. But some of the controversy among fans, I think, reduced that number significantly. There was less repeat watches by the fans, which I think contributed to The Force Awakens going over the $2 billion mark. Uh, this one turned off a lot of fans, and as a result, they saw the movie once and never went back again, and some have refused to watch it ever since. Now, I'm going to say something controversial here in that I liked this movie and still do. Not everything about it. I've got some criticism, which I will share with you in a second, but there was a lot to like here, at least for me. The first thing was that it was a very new and different story. Like I said, I really liked Rogue One, but there was a lot of familiarity and the same things going on. You've got a buildup, you've got a big space battle, the good guys win, the bad guys live to fight another day, and it continues on from there. Very standard fare for Star Wars, nothing wrong with it, but this story was very different. It didn't feel like anything else that had come out in the Star Wars uh, universe up until that point. I liked the cinematography of this one. I think this has probably got the best cinematography of the entire sequel trilogy. I love the choreography that went along with it, especially for the fight scenes. Just a great film visually to watch. And this was one of the few releases, I believe, that shipped with a Dolby Vision uh, Blu-ray on 4K that looks spectacular. So this was technically a great film across the board, both for cinematography and effects has Dolby Atmos audio too if you've got that Blu-ray. Uh, the performances are great out of the actors here with one exception which I'll talk about in a minute uh, but I felt that Ryan Johnson got a lot out of uh, the Ray and Kylo characters in particular and I just felt like he directed those, uh, those actors quite well. And the film took a lot of risks and what's neat about this is that we're still talking about the movie three or four years later. Fans are still trying to figure out like what do we do with this because it is so different and unfortunately I think Disney uh, didn't take advantage of the opportunities that were created with this film. We'll talk more about that in a second also. But there were some things that I didn't like about this and the one character that I felt they didn't do the right thing with was the character of Luke. He spent most of the film kind of sulking away in his exile. That was not the character that we left at Return of the Jedi. I will say though, at the end of the film, and this is kind of a spoiler, that they did redeem the Luke Skywalker character and the way that he encounters Kylo Ren through that projection at the end of the film was probably the most Jedi way to approach a conflict in any of the films. It wasn't a brute force kind of attack but with violence kind of thing. It was a very cerebral way to accomplish the mission without harming his nephew. And I felt like 
that was a great redemption of the character, but they didn't need to make him so weak throughout the whole film. And I think his lack of strength is what turned off so many. The other problem is that they had too many characters in this sequel trilogy, especially when it came to this film. To some degree, they kind of set Ryan Johnson up for failure because he had to figure out a way to have a two and a half hour or so movie that encompasses all of these characters and has some degree of character resolution for the legacies and growth for the other ones. And it was really hard, I think, for him to juggle all of this. And the same will be true of J.J. Abrams in the follow-up film as well. Uh, You had Luke, Leia, and Han. That's what people were coming to see. They got them, sort of, but then they had to also get Finn, Ray, and Poe developing their characters. And I think in the end, had they made the first two films in the trilogy uh, with the new characters in supporting roles versus the leads, they could have resolved the legacy characters better. I think they could have solidified this new generation of Star Wars that way. Uh, And instead, they tried to do everything all at once. And in doing so, they really created challenges for the writing. And I also think they kind of ruined this storyline rolling forward. I don't think a Finn, Ray, and Poe movie will be all that successful because of all the things they had to do to try to get all of them crammed into the films during this trilogy. So what they did in the final film was they kind of retconned some things from this movie to make it easier to wrap up those storylines. They created a whole bunch of storylines that were probably not the intention when they first set out on this three-movie project. And they ignored a lot of things from this movie too, including finding some resolution to Finn's character. And of course, uh, Rose, one of the new characters they introduced, was completely ignored in this film. And one of the other problems, I think, that permeated across the entire sequel trilogy was that there was no consistency from one writer-director to the next. So J.J. was going to start, Ryan Johnson was going to do the second film, and Colin Trevorrow was going to do the third film. But they fired Colin pretty much as production was getting close to beginning, and they brought J.J. back on to try to patch together something that could try to save this trilogy. But there was never a plan for this story from the beginning. And that was, I think, the biggest mistake they made. And that was something that was in the back of my head when I heard their plan for how these next three films would go. You need somebody to champion the story. And for better or for worse, George Lucas was that guy for the prequels and the original trilogy. And to some degree, those stories were very consistent. Even if they had to make changes, the visionary behind them was kind of driving the show. Here, it was just a free-for-all. And what they ended up doing, in my opinion, with The Rise of Skywalker was trying to please everyone. Now, they still made a billion dollars, but I think this movie could have been more successful and the whole sequel trilogy could have been more successful if they found a path and stuck to it. Now, my friends and I that rented out the theater thought this movie was entertaining and a lot of fun. It had a lot of that fast-paced feel of The Force Awakens because it was J.J. Abrams writing and directing but the story felt like a patchwork. There was no love here. It was just like, let's see what we can do to get this thing finished and over with. And they also had some issues with the movie that came out prior to The Rise of Skywalker, which was Solo, that totally tanked at the box office. And while they were dealing with all the drama around episode nine and firing the writer and director, they also fired the writer and director of Solo midstream in the middle of production and they brought Ron Howard in to try to clean up that movie. So there was just not a lot of confidence, I think, in the company. Uh, And there was also not a lot of confidence among fans that Disney was being a proper steward of this franchise. Now, oddly enough, when 
uh, Solo came out, they actually crossed the break-even mark, at least for ticket sales. So they made their money back and then some, but they haven't been, I think, doing right by fans. But there is hope on the horizon, a new hope. So what is the source of this hope? Well, I think what Disney is doing now is something George Lucas did when fans were not crazy about his prequel movies. He put together an animated series called The Clone Wars. And I think this did a lot to get fans back on board with his vision for the prequels. The films were not great, I agree, but there was an underlying story here that needed to get fleshed out a bit more. And having a series that can run over many, many hours can help do that better than a feature film can. And I think if you go and ask fans about The Clone Wars, they'll largely say it's a great series. And I think that helped their impressions of the feature films too. Now this ran for a number of years. They recently did a final season. So most of this takes place between episodes two and three. The final season of The Clone Wars takes place after the end of episode three and covers the Order 66 stuff and everything else that's going on and also, of course, builds more character uh, for Anakin's apprentice named Ahsoka, who you never saw in any of the movies but was a big character in The Clone Wars and very well liked. And The Clone Wars is now fed into a new series called The Bad Batch, which takes place between episodes three and four as the Empire is taking hold. And there's another series that wrapped up a couple of years ago called Star Wars Rebels, that takes place after the Bad Batch, but there are character linkages between all three of these animated series. And now, of course, we've got The Mandalorian, which feeds into that as well. And I have to say, The Mandalorian feels like the proper sequel to Return of the Jedi. We don't have really any of the familiar uh, characters at all. We've got all new characters, not too many of them. And this is something that I think really redeemed Disney for a lot of fans and regular audiences alike. It is an exceptionally well-done series. Uh, when you look at the runtime for the two se seasons that they've had of this so far, you're looking at about the same runtime as two or three feature films. So there's a lot of work that went into this. And this show really feels like what the sequel to Return of the Jedi should have been. And I have been loving this more so than anything else that... Uh, Lucas or Disney came up with over the last 20 years. It is an exceptional effort. And if you like the original Star Wars and want something new, this is giving you both of those things. And because this has been so successful, Disney's focusing a lot now on new live action TV shows. So they're going to have a, a Ben Kenobi show with uh, the original actor from the prequel movies. They've got a Boba Fett show that I think is coming up next. They're going to follow Andor, who was a character in Rogue One, who was a spy for the early rebellion. And then they're going to give an entire show to Ahsoka uh, that's coming up soon as well. And the creative force behind all of this is this guy, Dave Filoni, who Lucas hired to work on the original Clone Wars series. And he really became the apprentice to George Lucas after being hired. I think he really gets this, this whole mythology of what Star Wars is. And I think he knows how to channel what the fans are looking for in a way that doesn't uh, turn off general audiences either. And I think that's why The Mandalorian has been so successful in that even though it has multiple directors and multiple writers, he is kind of the driving story behind all of it. And because he's been with the company for so long and because these animated shows are so deeply intertwined with the feature films, 
he provides the consistency that was lacking from the sequel trilogy. And I think that makes a huge difference here. And they were also very smart in that they had John Favreau come over to help with the visuals here because Filoni is an animator and a storyteller. Uh, Favreau knows how to make a movie. And I think that combination between the two of them really paid off here quite well. And it shows through the work. And if you haven't watched it yet, if you have a Disney Plus subscription, check out the Disney Gallery. I think they've got a new episode coming up uh, very soon with uh, some behind the scenes of their most recent season finale. And you can hear Filoni talk about Star Wars and what drives it. And you can just sense he's got such a deep understanding of all of it. And that's why I am very hopeful for the future of Star Wars. We may not see all that much on the big screen, but what I'm seeing on the small screen, I like quite a bit. And I'm excited as to where Star Wars is headed finally. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, of course, we'll have to see what this does for people's impressions of the sequel trilogy rolling forward here, but it's good to see that Disney finally found some footing with this franchise, and it needs to be, I think, in longer-form storytelling like the streaming shows can provide. We'll see what happens, but I am excited to see what comes next. Now, this week's wrap-up is being brought to you by all of you. We have some super chatters to thank this week, including Carol Chermazinski, Grayson Petty, Eric's Variety Channel, and Mark Bollinger. They all contributed during one of my live streams the other day. And we also have some new supporters to thank, Pradeep Marugala and Matt Roon. I want to thank everyone who made a contribution this week and everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, and all of you who watch on a regular basis too, even when I'm ranting about Star Wars, because all of those things equal channel growth. And if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lawntv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also support Floatplane, the YouTube membership program, and Patreon. We've got a bunch of other places where you can find me, including my Amazon page, where most of my product reviews end up after they're posted here. And we've got a number of ways to engage with the channel, including our new Discord at lawntv Discord. I want to thank Brian Parker and Mark Dell for getting that going. And uh, hopefully I'll jump in there every once in a while and say hello to everyone. I'm, I don't know much about Discord, so i got to play with it a little bit more. But there are some people finding their way there, and you are all welcome to be a part of a, another place for our community to gather. And then, of course, we've got my store where I sell previously used items at lower than new prices. But there's only one of everything because it's the actual device I reviewed here on the channel. You can go to lawntv slash store alert to see what I've got for sale there. That is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thanks again for allowing me to talk about this topic. I had it on my list for a while, and I just really wanted to talk about it at some point. So here you go. So that's going to do it for now. We've got more of my regular tech review stuff coming up this week, so stay tuned for that. And until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Jim Callagher, Hot Sauce and Video Games, and Brian Parker. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. 
Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.